25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Here we go. Hour two of the show beginning live from Hoover, Alabama. Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio on location. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Right now, the home team in this game that's going on in front of us is Texas A&M. And they're the only team with a hit. They don't have any runs, but they have hits. This is a pitcher's duel right now as Ole Miss is batting in the top of the seventh inning in a scoreless game with A&M here, an elimination game between these two uh, teams. And Doxakis, the starting pitcher for A&M, no runs, no hits so far. All right, let me start you off with uh, someone on the Divini Equipment phone. Divini Equipment, Madison and Jackson, your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the United States. They've been doing it better longer than anybody, and they're right here at home. DJ is in Jackson. He's been hanging on forever, and I just appreciate that very much, DJ. Uh, appreciate you calling on the Divini phone. What's up? Well, you know, anytime I be on your show, it's been a while. You know, Ohio State fans, so you know, with the Alabama Tua question. But I'm going to chime in. First of all, I kind of agree with you that why would a coach make that kind of comment? But now, I'm going to be honest. I've watched the kid, Okay. After he threw the pick against Clemson, he comes up sideline. I got this, I got this, I got this. I mean, when things are going great, he's like, you know, leading a band. When things are not going well, he's got some injuries. And, and the thing is, I wouldn't say he needs to humble himself. I'd say he needs to quit being a drama queen. Because when I watched to him, but now I'm going to say this, he replaced probably one of the greatest leaders in the history of Alabama football. And Jalen Hurt. And, and I really feel that some of that, but I, I, I personally, when I watch Tua, you know, and I play football, play that position. And he, he's a drama player. I don't like the way he acts. I don't like how he tries to bring attention to himself. And if you watch Alabama football, he's just not used to that kind of quarterback. Think about the last four or five Alabama quarterbacks. Yeah, so DJ. But I don't. I don't see it the same way though. And I. I wonder, like, when you see him play, what does he do, as you say, to be oh, a drama queen or to draw attention to himself? Watch out for the pick. He comes to the sideline. Like, I got this. I got this. I got this. And, and the thing is, he should have been over there with a coach to just be one of the worst passes in the history of the uh, uh, college football champions. And, and the thing is, you know, and, and again, I'll be honest, I don't think Jalen Hurts, who Jalen Hurts, you know, came in and beat Gordon, and, and two of them came in here before beat Gordon. And the thing is, if you remember, Jalen Hurts last time to play against Boston, Chiefs
Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think Alabama's going to fall correct. And I'll be glad because I'm an Ohio State fan. But when Alabama was running the ball, playing defense, not a quarterback, DJ, hey man, I don't know where you are, and I think you may have me on speakerphone there, but it's starting to get loud. It's really kind of hard to hear okay. you. Uh, and and I appreciate your thoughts and appreciate you hanging on. Hope you'll call me anytime again. And and for you know next time, give me a call. Hold that phone up to your ear. It'd be a lot easier for us to hear you. Um, I I just you know I I, I don't look. They lost. Alabama lost to Clemson. He throws a pick six. Clemson was better coached and better prepared for that ball game than Alabama was, period. End of story. You can't debate that. We'll break down the film. We'll show it to you over and over on both sides of the ball. They were better coached, better prepared for that game than Alabama was. Yeah, he, he made some bad plays. Clemson won the game. But it's like because of those things, this guy, Tuatong Valoa, is taking this unbelievable amount of criticism like from his own fan base and even from others, there's someone from who's an Ohio State fan that is seeing something that I just don't see. I don't see anything from him that says drama, you know, Queen, and I certainly don't see you know creating drama, and and somebody who, uh, you know, is causing a scene or drawing attention to himself. Every quarterback that ever played, when you throw a pick, you go to the sideline, you tell your teammates, "Hey, keep your heads up. I got it. I'll, you know, we're going to find a way to make up for that." You know, I'm going to do my job. Hang in there. Uh, so, I, I just – I don't understand the criticism. I, I mean, I really don't. I, I Sure, maybe there's some times where, you know, he limped around. And I, I just – I think that that take to me is – I just don't see the same thing. I guess that's all I'm saying. I don't see it. All right, five after, top of the hour. As you hear, we got a little, you know, a little smattering of applause from a – Pretty small crowd for an elimination game right here. And we got two hit combined hits, but they belong to one team. It's the seventh inning stretch. A&M's about to come up to bat in a minute. They have two hits but no runs. And Ole Miss sitting there with zero, 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 zero goose eggs all over. Uh, of course, it is a breakfast game, so maybe we want eggs for a – that was bad. That was bad. I'll just move on. Uh, right now, joining us in the press box live here in Hoover is uh, your friend, everybody's friend, and um, especially the friends out in right field who have the kiddie pool, Brett Hudson. Follow him on Twitter. He is Brett underscore Hudson, a part of the Matt Wyatt Media team, who was here for a almost seven-hour baseball game last night. Wake up, Brett. I'm uh, I'm living the dream, man. I got two cups of coffee in me. It needs to be three. Probably needs to be four. Cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but that's where. That's where I'm at in life right now. Six yeah. hours and 45 minutes of baseball in just one game. Yeah. So six hours, uh, 43 uh, minutes. Yeah. The longest ever by an hour and a half. Think about that. And, uh, and only tied the state record for the longest uh, game in, in program history. They played a 17-inning game with Ole Miss in like 07. And then they played one here in the SEC tournament. That was like 2012 or 13 against Missouri. Something like that also 17 innings. Yeah, yeah. So. I tell you, I, I hate this, and the broadcaster's curse is going to come true. I talked about that game to a friend of mine yesterday, the Ole Miss game on a Sunday where they went 17 innings. Oh, that was yeah. the we Sunday game of that series? It was on Sports South, okay. and that game oh. went so long. I 
I was a kid, and we had a pool out behind the house, and I drug 100 feet of coax cable to a TV so we could watch it as we are just yeah. out there swimming around. And I remember that game to this day, and I mentioned it before I walked into the game yesterday. So did you? Blame that one on me. You did it. I have a lot of people to blame for what we saw last night, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I have a lot of Lay people to blame. Lay it on us. Well, the overall thing, though, is, yes, it was this unbelievably long game. It goes – but, you know, once you get to that point, the fact that the loser is going to turn around and play here in the morning, well, you know, middle of the day today, yeah. how important it was for State to find a way to win and to be, you know, they, they get swings and misses from their bullpen that, frankly, I think uh, you didn't know maybe Cole Gordon had 70-plus pitches in him, you know, but he pitched so well. Yeah, I, I think he was honestly the biggest winner of the day. I mean, uh, pitching is going to be the big win of the day when you go 17 innings and you allow 11 combined runs between two teams. Pitching is going to win the day. But I thought the bullpen pitching, uh, particularly the guys that took long since for both teams were, were the big winners of the day. And to quickly hit LSU, pitching depth has been an issue for them pretty much all year long. Yeah. So for Zach Hess to shut things down and relieve the way he did it for Mikhail Hilliard, to pitch some pretty good ball there at the very end of, of the game. That's a big piece for them as they try to f- cobble together enough pitching depth to maybe get through a regional, maybe compete in the Super. And then for State, I mean, how many times have we said on Dogpile that you're going to need Cole Gordon with the season on the line in a regional and a Super Regional in Omaha? You're going to need Keegan James yeah. with the season on the line in a Super Regional or in Omaha. And Cole Gordon, we know he can ride the wave, right? Like, he got hot in Tallahassee last year and looked like Nolan Ryan for two weeks. <laughs> and Keegan James, I mean, his, his 2019 has been setback after setback, going from Sunday starter to midweek starter slash bullpen guy. And now Brandon Smith is taking the last two midweek starts. So he's just trying to get some sort of role on this team. And he pitches two and two-thirds, the final two and two-thirds of, of that game. So I thought the, the big winners of that game – we're Cole Gordon and Keegan James, because I yeah. won't be surprised at all if they go off and pitch a, a pretty good June from here on out, and we can look back to that 17-inning game last night and say that was that was a turning point for them to have a, a good stretch run into Omaha. Yeah, Brett Hudson joining us live here in the press box at uh, the SEC Tournament. Uh, follow him on Twitter, Brett underscore Hudson, host of the Dogpile podcast, and you can find that wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Dogpile You'll see the baseball logo there. Go ahead and subscribe. It's a Mississippi State baseball podcast. Um, Paul Maneri sends somebody out there to check on Cole Gordon's glove. Is that what that was? Yeah. I was wondering what that was about. What, what was he saying, like a pine well, tar or something? What was the deal? Yeah. Is, That's basically is, is what there, he was insinuating. Is there some substance on his wrist or his glove that he's touching, and then the umpire goes, checks it out, and it's nothing. There's nothing there. He's literally just sweaty. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's, that's a big old boy out there for a long time. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's earned that right. Yeah, that's right. He's earned that right to sweat a I didn't, bit. I didn't like it at all. Mangum bounces one over the fence. I mean, that's a, oh, effectively the game-winning it, hit. What inning is. was that? That was like the 11th or 12th. Yeah. Right? I've got it starred somewhere around Yeah, that should, have, that should have walked it off. If these, if these fences were yeah, two or three feet taller, it had bounced. Gilbert would have easily scored, and yeah. that would have been the game. Yeah. Two hours earlier than it actually was. But instead it bounces over. They bounces get out. bounces over and they get out of it. That, it was just one of those games, man. Like, All right, so you're in the press box with the other uh, you know, media guys, print guys, writers, everybody. And degenerates, LS, if you will. The degenerates. Yeah, when you walk through there, it's kind of like when um, kind of like when you walk into Jabba the Hutt's bar. Uh, in Star Wars, you know, there's a guy over there who's, like, wearing sunglasses for no reason. There's a bounty hunter over here. Somebody over here has got, 
you know, like three ears and three or four eyes. You know, it's kind of what it's like when you walk through press row. Don't, don't right. talk about David Murray like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Off Uncle, the top rope. Uncle Dave. Love it. Uncle Dave. Yeah, I, I co-host a show with him. I, yeah. I can think of it a little bit. Um, Love it. So, yeah, but you're down there. Top of the 16th, LSU goes up 6-5. to five. Oh, yeah. And you go to the no, bottom. No, they go up 5-4. Five, five, go up 5-4. Five, five, they go 5-4, yeah. You go to the bottom of the inning. They're up 5-4. There's a couple outs. Guys on base, a couple outs. And Mangum hits a routine ground ball to second base. Eats him up. And it eats him up. Uh, now, now Lamona said after the game, Brett, that he thought he was going to be safe regardless. I'm not so sure about that. I, 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 I disagree. I, I didn't want to go against the coach. But I'm with Brett on this one. I, see, I'm, I'm with you. He knows more about baseball than I ever will, <laughs> but I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, so uh, I don't think Mangum would have got there. But it's like you know, Mangum after the game on the SEC Network thing, uh, they said, you know, your ball hopping over a fence. He goes, yeah, you know, it's just like that that LSU Hoover magic. They have it, and which they do. You can't dispute the fact they have a little magic here. Mm-hmm. Mangum's got a little magic about him, also. Yeah, he's the only guy. Who hits the ball to second base in that situation and they boot it? Oh, absolutely! I think any other hitter in state's lineup, they make that play. Probably, probably. He's, yeah. he's in everybody's head. He's in their head. Point. I mean, they intentionally walked him what twice? Yeah, maybe three times. Yeah, and early in, in the game, game they walk him, and what's Westberg do? It gets a hit. Bang! I've been trying to tell you people, <laughs> stop the nonsense. I, I've been saying it since last year when Alexander <laughs> hit the walk off at Old Miss and Trustmark Park. Yeah, I mean, like if, if you want to walk him. To get to what Alexander was last year before all the walk-offs, that's fine. Westy is slugging over 500. Stop it. Yeah, stop it. Stop it. it. (laughs) What are these people doing? I don't get it. Now, okay, if you do go to a negative, you have all these people left on base. And it it really did kind of become obvious as the game went on. It got late. Yes. State had more guys going up and having the undisciplined at bat than you really have ever seen from them this year. And the breaking ball dominated them. It really did. Because they're kind of they're, – they're, instead of going up and looking for their pitch, it was more like, if it's around here, I'm going to try to hit it. And so it was a little loose approach as opposed the to – The approach you, was, it's 2.15 a.m., yeah. I want to get out of this ballpark. I mean, really, it's kind of what it was. They wanted to do it with one swing of the bat, a lot of them. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and we say this, okay, so State winds up winning the game. But the attitude and the approach to that game – and the mentality was much different in the LSU dugout than it was for State. Do you agree? Because they are well, thinking yeah. we gotta we we gotta win this one to host yeah. a regional. LSU needed that that one more than than State did for sure. But yeah. to, to speak to your point about the uh, the approach and the missed swings and the curveballs and and all that, I'm not I'm not fearful of that going forward. I don't I don't think that's going to be a systemic issue. Like this lineup has never struggled with that in terms of bringing guys in, bringing in ducks on the pond, uh, yeah. as, as you will. And that's not been something that they struggle with, but they do need to just reaffirm that because teams that are scouting Mississippi State to potentially be in the Starkville Regional right now, they they just got six and a half hours of video of State swinging and missing over curveballs and looking real yeah, bad doing right. it. So they really need to take however many more games they play here and really tattoo a couple of curveballs and be yeah. disciplined and be smart about it just to make sure – that those re- those Starkville regional participants know you can't come in here throwing breaking balls and beat us. Well, I don't think they're going to have a problem with it, but they do need to just put it to bed and prove it in their final two or three games here. Well, and in my opinion, you know, especially those right-handed hitters that are getting right-handed breaking balls. Yeah, Westberg. Yeah, you know, Foscu. 
Uh, he got a little loose last night, too. You, you, you must think middle away on breaking balls, period. Yep. you got to hit them up the shooter. You have to hit them opposite field. You're not going to step in there last night against Hess or anybody and pull that breaking ball into left field. And somebody just – I know it sounds like such a simple thing. It's harder when you're on the, in the batter's box and the guy's throwing 92, okay? It's easy for us to talk about it. But somebody texted and said not to be a Debbie Downer, but what's the matter with Westberg? I think he's trying to pull everything. You know, I think that's kind of what's going on. The yeah. one ball he hits hard last night was to what? Dead center field. Yep. Yeah. Line He'll, drive. Uh, yeah, he's he's an interesting cog in the lineup, especially with McNamee out right now. Because uh, you've got Foskey in the cleanup, but you're obviously moving guys up a spot in the lineup, which hasn't really mattered because Josh Hatcher continues to hit home runs like every time he steps up to the to the plate. It's r- ridiculous how he slugs. Um, but they do the they do need Westberg to to get going because yeah. Tanner Allen when he's going he can hit doubles like it's nothing, and then Foskey has what thirteen dingers yeah. this year. Skelton has ten. So it really does you something. It really does a number on opposition if both Mangum and Westberg can get on base at a 400 or better clip. Westberg hasn't been doing that recently. He's had a good stretch this season of, of doing it, but he just needs to get back to it before that Starkville Regional starts. Right. So it's a fair observation. Brett Hudson joining us here in the press box. I'm Matt Caleb Hamill here uh, as we broadcast live from the SEC tournament. You still have Ole Miss A&M going on. It's an elimination game it is a scoreless game and right now top of the eighth Ole Miss still looking for their first hit of the ball game hadn't managed it yet they've had some base runners there's a HBP it's going to put a guy on first but still looking for that first hit of the ball game if he gets one more out then he'll match the line of Chris Weber yesterday yeah of no hits through seven and a third seven and a third A&M pitching that you know just pitching great yes so far here in the uh in the tournament all right so Vanderbilt is up tonight now we could talk about and warn fans who watch on television or attend the game what they're going to be in for with the Whistler who will be here for Vanderbilt. <laughs> we could talk about that. I don't hey, know so you we... never answered my tweet. Was it you that was whistling down there? Brett, let me just tell you, like it's, it's, not, it's not ever going to be me. <laughs> and let me okay. just tell you why. Okay. Well, I'm just trying to ask the important questions, you know? I know. I know. It's my the, job. The reason that I would never do that is because I have a, a little bit of concern for my fellow man, my fellow human being. <laughs> I am not. I at times have acted like a jerk, but just like in perpetuity, I'm not a jerk. <laughs> like someone who would be just totally fine with, f- for attention or just even for giggles, seeing how miserable you can make the people around you. <laughs> That's what the Vandy Whistlers do. They don't care about anyone else. They don't care about people watching. They don't care about other fans. They don't care about anybody. But the fact that it's just weird little something, just the fact that it gets them a little bit of attention, I guess. And so here we are talking about them. That's why they do it. But to me, I don't feel like the Vandy Whistler would truly bother players in action as much as they bothered the fans around them. No, that's definitely it. On the field, it doesn't bother them at all. And I, it's like the Vandy players, would, most of them would tell you, yeah, we never even hear it. It's because yeah. they're so locked in. Yeah. You know, but we can't get away from it. Especially when they're well-positioned relative to the TV mics. <laughs> the ones that are, Intentionally. like, latched onto a press box or something. Yeah, especially when they're right next to uh, a mic. That's when it gets really, really tough on fans. They so do it on purpose. I, and They've been warned by ESPN. 
they have been punched. One oh, yeah. The, one yeah. of the guys has been punched before. The problem By a is, state fan. Yeah. The problem is they didn't punch him hard enough. Clearly. That's the problem. Did, did he get a steak dinner later? He should. <laughs> I want the name of the fan. Start start that, a GoFundMe for that this punch man. Punch the whistler. Now, start a GoFundMe for this man. I've got a microphone that looks similar to what ESPN uses down yeah. there. I wonder if I can bring it in as a decoy. A decoy and have it not actually hooked up. Mounted that, on like that grass berm way down left field. That is a great idea. That's a great. And idea. you just go up to the whistler and be like, "Hey, so they changed the microphone setup. They're actually going for a more like natural yeah. sound instead of fan sound. So the the, the mic is like." All the way back there on that chain link <laughs> fence behind the left field wall. So if you go hang out back there, the whistling's definitely going to get on TV. So we should just go ahead and look. If you're listening, prepare yourself tonight when State plays Vanderbilt. It's going to be constant. It's going to be incessant. It's going to drive you crazy if you let it. I always do let it drive me crazy, mm-hmm. and I realize that's on me. So you know the effort tonight for me here at the game will be just to kind of block it out as best I can, and to not get mad and. You know, not let it ruin your experience. And the best thing to do is beat them. You know, shouts to last year's Super Regional. Yep. Right, Brett? That'll do it. That'll do it. Brett, appreciate you coming up and talking a little baseball with us. Happy to help. Uh, I'm just sad I couldn't unleash my Tua takes, you know? Unleash the Tua takes is the name of a podcast we're going to launch. Okay. Actually, uh, Unleash Tua takes. Yeah. UTT. <laughs> that's that's going to be the next podcast. Yes. Brett Hudson. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. He's Brett Hudson. He's here, and we'll be here for uh, tonight's game as uh, State and uh, Vanderbilt will tee it up at about 8 o'clock or maybe a little thereafter. And that's after he was here till 3 in the morning for last night's game. Caleb was here for that also. Hey, coming up next is something that's going to happen from right now for the next 100 days on this show. And if you're a college football fan, you'll like it. Stick around. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Rolling right along. Day three of the SEC baseball tournament. Day three. Game number one. Of the tournament. It's an elimination game going on right in front of us, Caleb. Here's uh, Ole Miss with an opportunity. Um, so they don't, Ole Miss doesn't have a hit on the board, but they've got two guys on base right now in a scoreless game in the top of the eighth. So it must have, I think, I think, I think the first hit by one. pitch. Okay, so the first one was HPP. Yeah. Maybe the next one was a walk. I don't know. But you've got uh, for Ole Miss right now, Jacob Adams at the plate trying to drive in a run, still looking for Ole Miss's first hit of the day. Walk an intentional walk. Walk and then an intentional walk. And now a strikeout to get out of the inning. So eight hitless innings for the Rebels. Good grief. This kid, this kid for um, Duxakis for A&M is just mowing guys down. All right, we got to see what his line is real quick here. They are the home team, a scoreless game. A&M is about to come to bat here in the bottom of the eighth inning. Duxakis. Uh, eight innings right now. Ten strikeouts. No runs on no hits. He has walked four and hit one. So, again, not perfect. Effectively wild. He's thrown 93 pitches and 59 of those. Now 60 of those are strikes. 
Wow. What an outing for him so far. Yeah, and so similar to what we were seeing from Weber yesterday in that game against uh, Georgia until Georgia was able to scratch and get a walk-off home run late in the ball game. All right, so this is what uh, we're going to do. Here, this is a big college football note. If you're listening to this show right now, I want you to pay attention. If you're listening, it means you most likely are a big football fan. Most likely you're a football fan. Right now, May the 23rd, we are 100 days from the start of the college football season (laughs) for the state of Mississippi. 100 days from today, it will be August the 31st, and Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss, all three will be opening their season. 100 days from today on August 31st. And so what we're going to do starting today here on this show is once each day you're going to hear this and we're going to count it down 100 teams. So today is team number 100 on the countdown. Let her rip. All right, here it is, team number 100 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days starting right now. I'm looking over here at a list that was provided by ESPN and their ESPN FPI football power index of the top 100 teams, or one through 100. And at number 100, the Scarlet Knights of the Big Ten, Rutgers. Are you... (laughs) Rutgers is team number 100 on the countdown leading up to the start of the season on August the 31st. Here's what I know about Rutgers is, man, they've been bad. (laughs) And, buddy, they have been downright horrible on defense. Look at some of the scores. Look at some of these scores from last year, okay? Last year they go 1-11. Now, they started the season 1-0 with a win – 35-7 over Texas State. And then it was 11 straight losses for Rutgers. 52-3 to Ohio State. 55-14 to Kansas. Kansas beat Rutgers (laughs) 55-14. They lost to Buffalo 42-13. They lost to Indiana 24-17. Lost to Illinois 38-17. Lost at Maryland 34-7. They had a close 18-15 loss against Northwestern. Played get, pretty well. How do you get 18? I don't know. Northwestern scored 18 points somehow. Figured out over there for me. Because <laughs> I can't. Touchdown, field goal, then touchdown, two-point conversion. Close enough for me. Um, then they, let's see, they lost at Wisconsin 31-17. Lost to Michigan 42-7. Lost to Penn State. 20 to 7, you know, respectable. And then the season finale, they lost at Michigan State 14 to 10. So those were the de- the defense allowed in those 11 straight losses 52, 55, 42, 24, 38, 34, 18, 31, 42, 20, and then finally a 14 point game, but it still was a loss because they only scored 10. This is Rutgers. Now, that's how ugly it was a year ago. We'll look at their schedule. What do you think about the Rutgers fight song? What do you think about it? 
Let me know what you think. This is the Rutgers fight song. Caleb, you found a note for me. Rutgers Scarlet Knights football. What do I need to know? So evidently, Rutgers is known as participating in the first ever intercollegiate football game back in 1869. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> reconstruction. Reconstruction. Civil War reconstruction, mind you. <laughs> they defeated Princeton University by a score of, you talk about crazy, how do you get to these scores? Yeah. Six to four. Six to four. And, and so they're, they're, that's credited as the first collegiate football game? First intercollegiate football game. And uh, for that reason, Rutgers has been described as, quote, the birthplace of college football. Now, that quote does not come oh. from an anonymous coach. Well, judging by last year's record, they might be the graveyard as well, simultaneously. How about that? Well, anyway, that's Rutgers. I kind of like their fight song. It's not bad. It's not bad. I would, you know, it's not terrible. I put it that way. Man, I looked ahead and picked ahead at tomorrow. Who'll be a team number ninety-nine in the countdown? Um, iconic. And I know that you're thinking, okay, wait a minute, who's iconic? That would be all the way down the list at ninety-nine. Just trust me. Just trust me. We'll see. Uh, let's look ahead here. So as they're coming off a one and eleven season, well, what's Rutgers going to have this year? How are they going to start? Who are they going to play? So on and so forth. Yeah, they're going to start off with UMass. And then week two, they go to Iowa, the same Iowa team that beat Mississippi State. Uh, yeah, meet the state. So they're going to go to Iowa in week two, host Boston College. Road trips in the conference for them this year will be at Michigan, at Indiana, at Illinois, and at Penn State. And the home games will be Maryland, Minnesota, Liberty. Rutgers is going to host Hugh Freeze and Liberty in late October. And then they'll host Ohio State and Michigan State. In November. How about this on the text line? I don't have a name on it, but somebody texted in and said Rutgers fight song is weak as pond water. <laughs> to each his own. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like it one bit. You got a favorite one out there? Favorite fight song you've ever heard? Oh, gosh. Uh, we went through these the other day, but you know, there's so many good ones. But I really think this might be my favorite. The USC uh, Tribute to Troy is the name of the song. That's a pretty good one. I, you know, for some reason, I figured you would choose the uh, Florida State Seminoles. Yeah, the chop. I don't want to give Florida State credit for it, though. I kind of want the Braves to have credit for it. And I know Florida State gets credit for it. I would say probably most um, uh, underrated, underrated fight song for me is probably going to be Auburn's. Oh, that's the that's the wrong one. That's their I was about to say, what, no. that's their tiger rag. No, here's yeah. Auburn's fight song. Auburn's fight song is very underrated. Here we go. Here it is. Yeah. Well, they say War Eagle fly down the field. Pretty cool. Especially when you consider that they actually do have an eagle who flies down the field pregame. Iconic thing to watch if you ever go to Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Moving right along. We'll wrap it up with you next here. Live from Hoover, me and Caleb stick around.
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. things up with you here on the broadcast today on this Thursday live from the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover at Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau go with the home team on location. Caleb Hamill with me here in Hoover and Caleb and I just witnessed Ole Miss breaking up a no hitter. Who is it? Who is that, Dillard? Yeah, Thomas Dillard broke up a no-hitter in the top of the ninth inning. He was the first batter here of the night and uh, singled into left field. The next batter that came up for Ole Miss was Gray Kessinger trying to bunt him over. It's a, it's a scoreless game right now. So one run could be the run, and Kessinger trying to bunt him over, popped it up behind the plate, and so not able to get the sacrifice down right now. And that might be it for uh, Duxakis of uh, Texas A&M, we'll see. It will be it. So a heck of an outing for him. Gave up his first hit of the ball game in the ninth inning. How about that, Caleb? We've seen two gems uh, two days in a row from Aggie pitchers. And if they survive in this game, they'll still have Asa Lacey. They sure will. That's not Lacey to pitch. And he'll be another stud likely, although he's been on extended rest, hasn't pitched in a little while. But, yeah. You know, who knows? This A&M team right now, although they you know, haven't won this game yet and they lost on a walk-off to Georgia yesterday, it, this team looks like they're prepared to at least make a run through a regional with how they're throwing it right now. Yeah. Um, here's a text on the text line. You want to text me, do that. 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Says with Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and State being so close in the rankings and the RPI, would State winning the SEC propel them from a projected four national seed, number four, to a two? So that the question is, if State were to go and win this tournament, it would include a win over Vanderbilt, at least one of those, and then it would, you know, maybe include a matchup with Arkansas. Would it propel them? You know, my question, my thing is. It's hard to judge it, but it looks like more often than not the the committee does not put just a ton of stock in what happens in the conference tournament. You know? Uh, at least if you look at past results and, and then what was projected and where teams stood before the SEC tournament versus where they actually got picked afterwards, there's, there's very little sway in there. So, I, you know, it's I can't answer it definitively. I can just tell you that I would think that you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that winning this would necessarily propel State as high as as high as a number two national seat. You know, I don't. I don't think so. You're already looking at getting what four SEC teams in as national seeds in the top eight. So half of the top eight seeds going to teams here from the same conference. Really cool. Hey, so tonight it's a scheduled. 8 p.m. or so. It might just go ahead and put a TBA on that. Uh, start time for the ball game. 
Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. We're going to preview that first, though. The Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer, Divinity, go see him. It's 995-1059. He gets his own intro. I was texting him last night during the game, and he was right. It did feel like State should have had more runs on the board when they were up 4 nothing. That was it was not enough. <laughs> Gator Greg on the Divinity Equipment phone. Listen to him chomping. What's up, Greg? Gator Greg, talk to me. Okay, well, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now, loud and clear. Okay, What's up? okay, okay, all right. Uh, what, uh, most people I know I talk to, they, they went to bed, they got up, took their dog out, they still were playing the baseball game. <laughs> if I was, if I still was just going to, the only thing, like I said, you know, that was a gritty uh, game on both sides. You know, and you're a Mississippi State fan, you know Mississippi State and LSU, I guess you can throw Vanderbilt in it. They just play like different teams when they get over in that scene in Hoover, and the crowd looked like it was a great crowd last night. Yeah. Uh, Mr. White, I was going to ask you, is that the latest you stayed at a sporting event? I mean, I mean, I mean, did the homecoming queen have you a curfew or something? Because <laughs> I know you were at the ballpark. Is that the latest you've actually seen a sporting event that, that long? In your, in your broadcasting career or as a fan career? The longest one that I ever stayed at, the latest game I ever saw, was several years ago here at the SEC tournament, Greg, when Missouri and Mississippi State went to 17 innings. And my dad and I stayed here for every pitch. And we got we left the ballpark just before, I think, 3 a.m. Last night, we left early. We didn't stay for all 17 innings. My man who's sitting here with me, though, Caleb Hamill, he stayed here for every single pitch of it, almost seven hours' worth. You need to buy him a couple of cups of coffee today uh, <laughs> for doing that. That's a tremendous deal. But, but I, I was impressed. Your, your guy, the freshman, I guess, that they hadn't pitched. I thought he gave him a lift, and that's what you need in the postseason. Mm. You know, guys like that. He, he had pretty good stuff in there. Like I said, you got to give LSU credit. Yeah. I don't, you know, they, they battle. But uh, this is a tough Mississippi State team. I would probably want to say Mississippi State probably a three or four right there. That's good, uh, and that's good enough. You, you know, I just think that just, you just want to keep the guys healthy. Uh, maybe, like I said, if I you got to get a little bit more than four, five runs, yeah. four runs. I thought the way they attacked LSU. If you looked at that game and you kind of was like the game should have been ten to nothing. They were hitting everything. Mm-hmm. The pitcher was doing a good job. We get over there, Mr. Wide. Just want to say you and uh, Mr. Hamill and Roger do a great job. Let's see if Mississippi State can can win a couple more games. Get ready for next weekend. You guys have a good show. You too. Appreciate you, Greg. Thanks for the phone call, um, Caleb. Tonight uh, against Vanderbilt, uh, we know Ethan Small is going to pitch for State. We don't know Vandy yet. Do we, we we would guess Drake Fellows, their typical Friday night starter okay. guy, ten and zero record ERA though of four point three four compared to Ethan Small, an ERA of uh, just one point eight four, eight and one overall record. So yeah, could be a, a highly touted pitching matchup tonight it, between the one and four seeds, and honestly, two of the best competing ball clubs yeah. in the SEC. Well, and look, this is the matchup of the tournament. I mean, last night, State and LSU, I mean, that's fun. And it's two brands. But this is the two best teams. Um, you know, I know State was swept in, in Fayetteville, but State's a better baseball team than Arkansas. And Arkansas is really good. State's just a little better. State's a better team than Georgia. This is the two best teams here. 
Okay, so Vandy State. So it's the matchup for that reason. But I think your pitcher of the year this year, Ethan Small, uh, strikeouts guy, could set a school record this year, pitcher of the year in the SEC, versus that Vandy lineup. That's a reason that that kid is 10-0 and 0 with a four-point is because they're going out and they're beating up everybody's Friday night guy. They are so good at the plate at Vandy. This is the matchup, Ethan Small versus that lineup. And it's going to be one of those things where, you know, at times he's going to get his. At times, you know, they are going to get theirs. And so the win or lose deal, the seesaw is going to be swung one way or the other, whether or not State is able to actually go out, get those timely hits, and put the runs on the board themselves. Yep. And I tell you, what's interesting about tomorrow's schedule, just a preview for you, uh, if you're coming to Hoover or if you're wanting to tune into the show tomorrow, uh, games won't start until 4 o'clock. Okay. Uh, Eastern time, so 3 o'clock in local time. Uh, it's a double elimination round, just two games. The winners of the losers bracket games today, or excuse me, the winners of the losers bracket games today, plus the losers of the nightcaps tonight, will play tomorrow. And then Saturday will be single elimination semifinal Saturday. Okay. Uh, get those S's out of your mouth there. It's <laughs> yeah. a championship Sunday. Right. So, State's looking to try to skip Friday going to Saturday. With a win tonight, they would do that. And let's wait and see. Wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, and so you said the first game tomorrow is at 4 Eastern or 4 Central? 4 Eastern, so okay. 3 Central. So 3 p.m. tomorrow afternoon on Friday would be the first game you'd have. So if Ole Miss pulls this game out somehow, uh, I say somehow, they're in a position where they could. they got a runner in scoring position. But if they win this one right here, then they will play at four o'clock to, or excuse me, three o'clock tomorrow, and then try to get to the semifinals on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, if State wins, they'll jump to the semifinals on Saturday. If they lose, they play the second game of the session tomorrow. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. <laughs> That's how it's going to work. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, deal the way that this thing is working out for Texas A&M. I mean, they're sitting here in an elimination game right now, uh, tied 0-0 in a ninth inning, you know, in the top of the inning trying to keep Thomas Dillard out there at second base, trying to strand him. They're in a similar situation yesterday. I guess one of the top four seeds, Georgia, in the first game of that one, similar thing. Their starting pitcher takes a no-hitter deep into the ball game. Once Georgia chased him, they got a little something going, and that led to then uh, a walk-off home run for Georgia to send A&M. So A&M's playing really good baseball. They took two out of three in the last weekend of the regular season from Arkansas. They come in here, they win, and then they almost, you know, are able to get past Georgia, but the, you know, the wheels fell off after a no-hit bid late into the game. And then here today, another no-hit bid, and they're trying to keep a, an Ole Miss runner out there at second base who could put a run on the board and a scoreless game in the ninth inning. So it's been really, really competitive. Caleb, once again, appreciate you, man. Yep, good to be here. He's Caleb Hamill. I'm Matt Wyatt. Thanks for tuning in on day three of the show, live from the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. See you tomorrow. See you. Rocky Mountain, y'all.